Hello, uh, welcome to today's Suffolk Money podcast. As you'll see, it's a little bit different. If you're watching this, you'll see that we're standing outside George Debman's butcher shop in Cliff Lane in Ipswich. Uh, for those of you who are listening, hopefully you'll still get the same benefit of a slightly different and unusual visit today. Uh, so rather than just an interview with somebody uh, where we uh, understand what they're saying and we ask some questions, uh, today we're actually visiting the butcher shop and finding out what George and his apprentice Annie uh, do while they're in there. So we'll find out about the services that they offer, about where they source their meat, why even Annie would want to become an apprentice butcher and about George's history as he uh, has run this shop for many years now. So, George, thank you for welcoming us this morning. It's great to see you inside. How long have you been here? That's the first thing. The business has been here since 1963, and my late father bought it from Wells Butchers, who actually had two shops here in Ipswich and were renowned for being a pork butchers. And um, my father always said that it was, if he had been shown a true set of accounts, he wouldn't have taken the business on. Okay. Oh, great. Okay, but you've obviously survived since then. Yes. And yeah. it's the one establishment you have? Yes, we have one establishment. Um, I actually um, decided very early that I wanted to be a butcher and my parents encouraged me um, to learn it properly and sent me to Smithfield College in London. Right. And yeah, I did very, very well considering I always thought, well, I'm just a bit sick. And um, you know, uh, did two years there, come back and new ideas and all that. And my father looked at opening another shop in the town centre in Tackett Street, um, but it fell through. And in actual fact, um, that was a good decision because where we're situated here, you know, we've got plenty of sm space. It's a nice area and it's easy for people to access. Well, that's the thing, it's lovely. You can park straight outside and people pop in. So, yeah, and you're in the middle of a community too. Yes, the um, community is very important to me. Um, it's very important that we're a community business. We're seen to be active within the community. And was it over the years? Yes, I've been a local councillor. I'm involved with the local scouts. We do things for the community and Several years ago we used to have like community street fairs here and this year for the Queen's Platinum we're actually busy organising a community day here. That's right. what we're busy doing. Fantastic stuff. So uh, you then went to Smithfield two years away from home? Yes. How did you cope with London life? That's oh, <laughs> I loved it, I'll tell you. <laughs> Was it uh, Sunday night on the train to... London, I was like, lodged with my aunt, who sadly has passed away on the Isle of Dogs, and Monday morning, by tube into Smithfield College, and the two years in London was actually um, a life-changing experience. Um, it certainly taught me one or two things, and with obviously working at college, um, the first year was all practical, and I loved it because if you can imagine, or people imagine that all butchers are like roly-poly characters. And my tutor 
was like a roly-poly character, moustache, glasses and all that, and <laughs> right character. And over the two years, certainly with the practical, did like really well. Um, worked on a TV advert, which was really good. And so I was charged with going onto the market and purchasing the leanest lamb that could. And then obviously taking it to the TV studios. The second year, like did a trade exhibition at Olympia where we were making pies. And that was round about the time uh, we were going into the common market. Right, yeah. And I always remember meeting Jim Pryor and he actually asked me what I thought about the common market. Worst days work, you know. And he actually turned around to me and said, don't be a stupid boy, I always remember that. And um, also uh, the rent for the college was a decorated boar's head at, um, presented to the Lord Mayor of London at Butchers Hall. Right. And uh, I was, myself and a mate were charged with going to the Wolves factory at Acton right. to get a, a, a boar's head. And that was really hilarious because we had this boar's head on the underground sat between us on the tube. <laughs> and, uh, Did you have to pay a fare for it? No, we it? didn't have to pay a fare. <laughs> okay. And also, uh, certainly the second year, worked three, three months in a Dewhurst shop in the East End. I worked three months on Smithfield Market itself and I worked three months in a supermarket right. and it was quite apparent that I didn't like working in a supermarket. The supermarket wasn't for you? No, most definitely not. I like the customer interaction and yeah. that's one of the <coughs> nice things about certainly running my own business. Mm. You know, I don't care how old people are, you interact with them, have a laugh and a joke yeah. and uh, at times there are one or two people who think I'm a bit of an oddball but <laughs> um, it's the way we are. You so, know. so when you got back from Smithfield, how long was it before you took over the running? Well, in actual fact, um, I come back from Smithfield and new ideas and old ideas um, didn't uh, mix. You know, myself and my father, or my late father, like obviously clashed on several things. And I thought, uh, I'm not putting up with this. And I actually applied for a job working in the wholesale trade right. at Kingston on Thames for wholesalers. And I went there and worked for nearly six months. And there was an elderly gentleman there who could see that I was unhappy because I was like getting up at midnight to go to work mm. and the quality of life wasn't good. And one day he nabbed me and he said, if I was you, bite the bullet, go back, work in the family business and one day that business would be yours. And mm. that's what I did. Right. And, you was know. That, was that a hard thing to do after sort of wanting to strike out a bit like the prodigal son you know coming back yes it was it was like you know coming back with your was it tail between Total your legs, legs yeah. and um you know in the years that followed there was like a couple of occasions i, I obviously remember it well in 77 uh, late father had a hernia up mm -hmm. and myself and my mum run the shop and obviously it was his business he wanted to get back in the shop and um, you know my mum now sent him to a convalescent home and he still got back here <laughs> and he started coming in the shop and right. um, my mum could see how I wouldn't say stressed I was starting to get yeah. and we downed tools right. you know I said right it's like this you either stay out the shop and let us get on with it yeah. or 
you work, which you, we knew he, he couldn't, yeah. and um, put yourself back to square one. Yeah. And reluctantly, he did that. Yeah, which was better for him, I'm sure, in the long run. Most, most definitely. Yeah. And there was a time uh, later on whereby um, my, wa my wife and I were away on holiday and my mum phoned me and said, you know, my father weren't too good. Mm. And we actually cut short our holiday, come back and worked. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so is, that's the responsibilities of a family business, I guess. Oh, most, de most definitely. And, um, each other. you know, um, if you go around the country, there are a lot of family businesses about, and um, the succession is very, very difficult mm. indeed. Mm. And yes, I've got um, a son and daughter, and like in the mid 80s, with all that was going on, certainly in this country, and that I couldn't see a future was it within the trade mm. and although my son and daughter you know give me a hand now at the time I didn't think there was a future and I obviously encouraged them to you know find a career elsewhere yeah so that's what they've done yes you know they have done but you know was it uh, certainly my daughter um, she'd like take or like Christmas just gone she's actually taken a week off and as she said to me, I will run the shop for you, Dad. And I, right. Yes, you will, dear. <laughs> you know, and you will do as I say, but you know, it's just gone in, in one ear and out the other. And, so uh, they all still help out? Yeah, they, 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 still, they still help, help out. Lovely. My son does the lifting because um, he's very, very strong, and I struggle a little with lifting. So. Yeah, but it must put a bit of a strain on the body, some of the things you have to do. Yeah, it, it most, most certainly is, you know, like the twisting and the turning and... Um, you know, you'll probably you know find out like later, like with young Annie, uh, we obviously like do the lifting and all that, but at the same time, I like try and show her ways of like actually cutting quarters of meat, you know, such as what I've got hanging there, you know, whereby she could actually cut it down smaller and like actually lift it herself. A bit more manageable. Yes. So uh, you obviously have Annie working with you now, um, yes. so that she can learn in the same way that you, you learnt, but in a different context, whereas you went away to college, she's obviously able to now do an apprenticeship? Yeah, that's, cor yeah, that's correct. I'm saying um, the modern way of apprenticeships, certainly within the industry, is actually training on the, training on the job. And we're very lucky here in Ipswich, we've got one of the best training providers in the country in Meat East Anglia Trades and um, at the same time I have known the principal a very very long time indeed and when Annie broached the subject I obviously spoke to Jane she come down here and I said well yes you know I'll take Annie on as an, appre as an apprentice but you know I'll train her how I was taught not the modern way because um, I don't necessarily agree with all the modern techniques and one thing and another, and certainly the modern cuts. Okay. Now, is this a bit of when you came back from Smithfield, you had your new way of doing things, and now yeah. the same thing is, uh, is coming through? Yes. Um, you know, uh, when I come back from Smithfield, I'm saying uh, my father's idea of like barbecue meats was a burger and a sausage, and that was it. And um, since I've like taken on the business, you know, we've expanded it into different, you know, like different things, different areas. Whereby, certainly with the summer months, 
not only for this business but for an awful lot of businesses. You know, barbecues has been a lifesaver. Mm. You know, we've expanded into like having um, pork in and cutting it and sending it away for bacon. Mm. I would say here in Ipswich we actually used to have um, two bacon factories mm. and at the same time the only time you could good, get good decent English bacon was when the Suffolk show was on. Right. You know, um, and I always remember like going with my father to the Danish bacon factory which was over White House and the manager cowering behind a desk when he saw my father coming down the road because he knew how fussy, you know, how right. fussy he was. Uh, yeah. And you'd used to go in and like pick out what he wanted. Goodness. So yeah, you were obviously very selective about what you would choose. Yes, that's very important. Um, I was, or my father, and certainly at college, you know, like at college, I was taught, you know, if you're going to do something, do it right. Mm. And my father always drummed into me, um, if you sell quality, you'll always have a trade. If you sell rubbish and upset somebody, you won't get that trade back. Mm. And, you know, for us, the most important meal of the year is Christmas. Right. If you can't get it right at Christmas, forget about it, because yeah. it impacts on your trade hugely. Yeah, yeah. Well, so where do you get your meat from now? And, and uh, is cost a pressure on what you get? Uh, how do you go about selecting what you choose? Well, um, when my father, or when my father started, you know, he used to buy through a wholesaler. Mm. You know, like here in Ipswich, we had was it several wholesalers, which right. sadly have gone. But in the or towards the end of the late 60s, the price of meat at the wholesalers was going up, yet the price of meat yeah, on the livestock markets was going down. And my father made the decision to actually buy live. And that ethos is something that we have continued with. Yeah. And um, at the same time with buying live, there was obviously, you know, you, you buy an animal live, well, where, where do you get it slaughtered? Yeah. And um, luckily enough here in Ipswich, we had, was it, you know, several abattoirs. And when those abattoirs, you know, shut, um, we had to find another source out of town, which we were able to do. And when I took the business on, my father was actually just starting to show me how to buy live. And um, uh, I have a very good friend um, who now was it obviously kills my meat, but I actually um, phoned him up and said, will you teach me to buy live? And be at Colchester Market, 11 o'clock, and uh, I'll show you. And um, they actually held the market up till I got there, which I thought was rather nice oh, because I'd never been there. Right. And um, so, right, you know, um, we're going to get in. I'm going to show you once, and then next week you're going to do Over it, to and then the week after you're going to buy them. Right. And it was really a crash course, but Goodness. those values um, have certainly been good. And over the years, when I go to market, I obviously know what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, quality, farm, traceability, which is a huge, huge issue, mm, yeah. very, very important to me. And going back uh, several years when we had BSE and one thing and another, they bought in um, passports for beef. And, you know, the law said that you've got to 
um, have traceability. If somebody comes in the shop and says, well, where does this piece of beef come from? You know, you're supposed to be able to tell them. Yeah. And uh, I actually went in a big supermarket, picked a piece of beef up and actually asked them where it come from. And an hour later, they only got the <laughs> plant number. Oh, right. You know, okay. So uh, yeah. I think people are actually quite impressed when they come in here um, at the fact that, A, we know where our meat comes from, but actually know the farms and the so, farmer. So, th so it must all be reasonably local if it's sold locally, does it? Does yeah. it go from far afield? <coughs> Sad, uh, yes, it is reasonably local. But sadly, with the demise of markets, I'm so we used to have a livestock market here in Ipswich, mm. um, Bury St Edmunds, Campsie Ash, they've all gone and the only livestock market here now locally is Colchester. Right. And at the same time, they actually have livestock in from throughout East, throughout East Anglia. Okay, yeah, you know, yeah. And um, they even have livestock that actually comes up from Kent because it's it's quite apparent that the market here in um, East Anglia, you, they actually get a better price here than they do down in Kent. Oh, okay. Yeah. So people know when they come here, you could tell them exactly where yes. it's from and the farm that it's from. Yeah, I'm um, say if you like look um, like around you, we've obviously got several rosettes hanging up and that's from the uh, Christmas show this year where we went and obviously bought prize winning animals. Um, um, Certainly on the lambs, you know, um, I paid £300 a lamb for best pair of lambs in the show and uh, went down the line, ended up buying 10 lambs and then like went over to the beef and I bought, was it a prize winning animal as well, which is important to me at Christmas because mm. people support you throughout the year. It's a way of giving something back and at the same time people think, well, you spent £300 a lamb, but you're going to charge me more. That isn't the case at all. It's right. just normal shop price. Goodness me. So you really are looking to, to look after your customers as best you can. Yes, very, yeah, very, very important. And, you know, like with looking after customers, people wouldn't travel distance if we weren't looking after them. And people wouldn't travel distance um, if we were serving like rubbish. They know yeah. that if they come here, they're getting quality. Yeah. So do you have any idea how far the furthest customer comes oh dear there's, a, there's one to put you on the spot that's easy isn't it <laughs> yeah that's easy i have um a gentleman who uh goes and visits his father up in lincolnshire and whenever he is going up there his father phones me up gives me an order and takes stuff up to lincolnshire because right. he can't get bacon like we've, what we've got here or sausages um off the top of my head we have people who come in the shop, Needham Market, Melton, um, Bury St Edmunds, Stowe Market. And as you can see, um, the shop is actually based in the heart of the Rivers Estate or the community. But we did a survey several years ago and that was really eye-opening because mm. we actually found that 60% of our customers did not live on the Rivers Estate. They're people who actually travel. Yeah. And that is one of the reasons why accessibility, you know, is very, very important to me. Yeah, and it also is why, you know, in the days of supermarket and convenient shopping, people are still supporting you and you're still thriving. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I must say, uh, when um, COVID hit, we were absolutely swamped, and 
in all my years of working in the business, we've never been in the position whereby we actually shut on the Saturday and we'd completely sold out of meat. We'd got no meat left at all. And I was actually sitting on the door or limiting people come in and mm. we ended up towards the end of the day because I could see people were panicking, you know, rationing people, mm. you know, so everybody got it. And, you know, um, I actually on the Tuesday morning went to market. The auctioneer thought I'd had a mental, you know, like seizure. Yeah. I bought two bullocks, 10 lambs to restock, you know, bought, you know, off the little abattoir, eight mm. pigs, so that when we opened again on the Thursday, we'd got meat and um, we now obviously, um, over the course of a year, are buying meat or meat out of the market, not only on a regular basis, but on a weekly basis. Right. Whereas before COVID, it was probably buy beef three weeks, miss a week, Mm. but it's now buy beef every week mm. and some weeks we're actually having to um, buy in like maybe um, for an odd four quarter of beef to top up because of uh, the clientele that we've actually picked up. Oh, goodness me, so it sounds to me as though this isn't just your life from sort of running the business and you know maintaining your relationships with your customers but it seems to me as though the whole um, profession of butchery is important to you and I understand you now have a, a national role as a president. Yes, um, butchery is important to me. Um, it's a trade that um, certainly for many, many years, you know, has diminished, not people coming into the um, trade and the closest you could be to being a butcher was being a chef on say when my son and daughter were looking at careers and all that, I used to go to careers conventions. Have you got anything to do with butchers? Well, no. There was nothing, nothing there at all. And at the um, same time, one of the things that I'd like to see, and that's one of the reasons why I'm very, very keen, obviously with teaching Annie, um, is butchery becoming a recognised trade. Mm -hmm. um, and with, you know, with being like, elected as national president, which I'm very, very proud of, is the fact that in my term of office I'd like to see um, us as an organisation getting out there, promoting butchery for youngsters because they're uh, desperately crying out for butchers mm -hmm. and, you know, it's hard work, mm. you know, it's not an easy job, but at the same time it's very, very rewarding indeed. And that's the Craft mm. Butchers Association? Yes, the National Craft Butchers. Um, when I like left college, um, my father um, took me along to a butchers meeting in Colchester, and in those days it was like the National Federation of Meat and Food Traders, which was a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> and over the years, you know, I went to meetings because my father said it's very, very important. You liaise. We actually had an organisation here in Ipswich but it was in name only and sadly when the secretary in Colchester died um, they couldn't find anyone to be secretary so I took you know I said well I'll do it and I thought well being secretary I better go to the AGM and they love me I'm going to say it was at Harrogate and um, great big hall and there weren't too many people there and I'd taken my mum with me and uh, 
I had this speaker from the Meat Livestock Commission who promote meat, and he, you know, gave this um, speech and all that, and no one said anything. And uh, I stuck my hand up. He goes, "Yes." I got up. <laughs> he said, "That's the biggest load of rubbish I've heard. I suggest you come down to the shop floor and learn what real butchery is." And all of a sudden, people are up, getting up, and you know, like clapping. And uh, <laughs> on the following, oh, yeah. the following day, walking around the um, trade exhibition, um, people were actually coming up to me and saying, "You actually said what we were thinking." And another good one was when I went to McCunnelth in Wales for um, a trade conference. They had somebody from Defra who was actually giving a speech and she was going on about um, how the French and Europe have, you know, like produced good quality, you know, like foods and all that. And I didn't realise there were several farmers sitting behind me and I stuck my hand up and I said, uh, I actually suggest you actually visit one of the local, you know, like a local butchers, like either here in Wales or <coughs> in the UK, because there are a lot of butchers who pr produce really good quality meat yeah. who are not getting recognised and with what you've just said, yeah. you know, is wrong, you yeah. know, and I suggest you, like, yeah. um, come and visit us. And I actually give her an open invite, but she never ever come. <laughs> another, another good one <coughs> was um, a trade conference down in Cornwall. And uh, I put a motion to um, conference that uh, this country actually enf enforces the law as you know, like Europe, Europe does. And we have nothing in the, into this country that comes from countries that have got notifiable diseases and you could actually go here in Ipswich today and actually buy food from countries that have got notifiable diseases and there's something I don't you know, agree with and I actually asked the national director for um, a bucket of disinfectant and um, I said uh, you better have a towel and he, he said what are you doing? I said don't worry about it. Anyway we got halfway through the motion and I started stripping off on stage and put me Wellington boots on plastic overalls and uh, continued with my motion and that brought the house down. <laughs> well I suppose it's your way of communicating how important that you know what you sell is what goes into people's mouths and into their bodies isn't it so it's obviously critically important very, where very, that's come from. Very very important very very important indeed you know I am very, very fussy as to what I put into my body and at the same time when I go out, you know, um, if they've got meat on the menu, you know, I'll like actually ask them, is mm. it, you know, like local, I'm say, first time I took my wife out, f you know, on a date, we went for a meal and uh, I actually asked the waiter, I said, uh, you know, the steak, I said, you've got sirloin steak and then local sirloin steak, he goes, what's, what's the difference? He said, well, the steak comes from a wholesaler, the local sirloin steak comes from the butcher. I still have the butcher's one. Mm. And he come back later and actually asked me why. I said, well, I actually work in the trade. And I said, if a butcher can't get his steak right, yeah. you know, I might as well pack up. Was it a good one? Yes, it was. Well, that's all right. Most, de most definitely. <laughs> otherwise, I'd have actually, uh, otherwise, I'd have actually said something to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, you know, Annie will tell you that we actually have 
people come in here who have shot here in Ipswich, bought meat, been very, very disappointed with it, and you know they've tried us, come back, ne never thought meat could taste so good. Good. Yeah, you obviously take a lot of pride in what you do. Most, de most, most definitely. George, thank you for just telling us a little bit about your history, your story, and uh, all about what goes on here. It's absolutely fabulous. Thank it's you so pleasure. much. Thank you. This is great, Annie, to be able to have a conversation with you. We've just heard a bit about you from George. All good stuff. Oh, thank goodness for that. <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry about that. So you're an apprentice here, is that right? Yes, yeah, I'm an apprentice. I started in June, July time last year um, after I finished my A-levels. Um, and I've, well, I've been here, yeah, doing it now. Can I just ask what A-levels you did? Uh, French, politics and geography. Okay. Yeah, oh, completely that's, different. That's useful. <laughs> <laughs> I've got them, that's the main thing. You have, that's well done for doing them. Mm. Um, so what was the appeal? What, what um, struck you about butchery then as being something to pursue? I think it, it's a funny really because I, I think I worked for George beforehand. Um, I started as, as a Saturday girl with George um, and I used to just come in on the Saturday, do the washing up and things like that. And, over time, um, I kind of, you know, was more interested in what they were doing. I liked watching what George was doing when he was doing his butchery, what the other people in the shop were doing. And then I think when I came to the end of my A-levels, I kind of wasn't really sure what step I wanted to do. I just knew I didn't want to go to university because I yeah. couldn't do that. Um, and I thought to myself, actually, I really love the work that I do and I love watching what they do and I think I'd just love to do it myself. So. I kind of took that leap and I said to George, um, what would you do if I told you that I wanted to become a butcher? <laughs> and he said, I'll take you on. I'll, I'll well, you know, there you go. You as an apprentice. Yeah. So your job offer there and yeah, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> That's very straightforward. <laughs> Lovely. So I suspect there's two aspects to it. One is the technical bit, and mm. you'll show us a bit of that in a moment. Yeah. But the other, I guess, is working with customers. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably my favourite part. Obviously the butchery is fun as well, mm, but mm. I love serving customers. Um, the interaction with people is great because you, there's, where we, we are here, we, as George has mentioned, we're in a really good community and um, the people that come in are just brilliant. They're so lovely and there's this sense of like, not, I don't want to say a butcher's family, but we are like a big old family and I think everybody that comes in, they know us, they know who we are, they say hello, we can have a laugh and a joke with them and it's great and I think having that interaction with people is, is really, really good. Yeah. But I guess the other side of this is then in order to have that relationship, you've got to be honest and open and yeah. you want to look after them and so knowing where the meat has come from and yeah. how you prepared it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, from the very start of my apprenticeship, um, George said, right, you come in with me on a Tuesday morning, we're going to market. I said, right, okay. So every Tuesday, me and George go to Colchester Market. Um, and as George mentioned, we select um, our own livestock, which I feel very privileged and very lucky that George has actually taught me that, along with the man who um, George has his meat slaughtered by, uh, the abattoir. They both taught me how to buy live, which is a skill not a lot of people, I suppose, mm. know, and um, I feel very lucky to have uh, had that opportunity. So now when I go to market with George, I'll say, oh, look at that one. We might want to buy that one, but things like that. Um, and I think that is important for the customers because a lot of people nowadays um, don't have that traceability. No. They don't know where their meat's coming from, and I think it's important to give that to the customers where you can say, right, 
well that actually came off a farm at I don't know Needham we have farmers and um, that we buy meat off in Needham we can say yeah that's where it came from and you know that you're going to get a good quality product as well out fantastic, of it. Fantastic isn't it yeah. so you know without giving away the secrets of the game <laughs> when you go to a live market yeah um, let's say you're um, looking out for a lamb yeah yeah. Um, what's the sort of key things you're looking for? Because I yeah. guess if I walk through a field of lambs, <laughs> they all look pretty similar yeah, to they, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, you must be looking for something else. Yeah, um, so I was always taught, um, get in the pen with them. George used to just, go on, in the pen you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> throw you in. Yeah, throw you in at the deep end, in you go. Um, so make sure you go in the pen. Um, so I'll go in the pen with the lambs, um, and you want to feel uh, the back of the lamb. Now, um, You'll know whether a lamb is fatty or not, um, especially by its tail. If you feel its tail, uh, if it's a bit more um, squishy, you know, it's going to have a bit more a weight more on fat. it, yep. a bit more fat. Um, you want it to be quite solid. Um, and the same with feeling the back of the lamb, you want it to be quite solid. Now, when you look at a lamb from the back, and it's terrible telling everyone, oh, look at the lamb's behind, that's how you find it out. But that is how <laughs> that you is work what it's out all about. whether it's a good lamb or not. Um, you look at the back of it, and you want to look at the legs because... That's where your, um, you know, your premium product comes from, which is the leg of lamb. So you look at the legs, and if they have a good shape, um, you know you're going to go for a good... It's a really hard thing to explain, actually. No, 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 it's all right. Um, but, yeah, so I think... Because I guess I'd be looking at, do they smile? <laughs> <laughs> do they look so nice? I'm looking at the wrong end. Is that <laughs> yeah, what you're telling yeah, me? Yeah, okay. you're looking at the wrong end. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> it comes all in. That so, so that's where you're buying them live. Yeah. And do they, do they live long beyond that, if you don't mind me asking? Um, or no, do you, no, they don't. They no. don't, so and, that's when um, you... Yeah, I mean, the slaughterman, um, are, the abattoir that we use, he actually takes them straight from the market to the um, abattoir and then slaughters them I think it's not long there's not a long period we get yeah. them then delivered in usually on the Thursday I don't know the exact day that they slaughter them but we get the meat that we buy on the Tuesday it will be delivered in on the Thursday right. we use a small local family-run abattoir mm -hmm. um, and it means that you're getting quality with that side of things as well um, the man who slaughters George's meat he's been using for years decades mm. shall I say I think George's dad even might have used him so yeah. that shows you how long ago and yeah. um, and even he, um, the slaughterman, he's been praised for how he looks after the animals, taking them um, to where he then slaughters them. Um, so you know that you're getting quality on that side of things as well, which yeah. is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And so when things come in here, when meat comes mm. in here, things, yeah, sorry, things. See, I'm not <laughs> using the right terminology here. When meat comes in here, what goes on within this building? What are all the things that you could be doing? Wow. Um, there's so many things and I think that's a big thing about butchery and always doing something different there's so many aspects to it so usually when we have our meat delivered in it will go straight in the fridge hung up um, with the beef um, usually with the four quarters of the beef so the front of the beef um, that's usually but boned out and butchered straight away um, because at the moment we've got big trade for things like stewing steak mm. um, and things like mints um, so yeah with the hindquarters, which is the back of um, the cow, we like to hang our meat um, because it gives it a better quality, it makes mm -hmm. it more tender, especially mm -hmm. with the steak, which is a you know a premium product. You want to be giving your customers the best that you can, and by hanging the meat, that's what you can give So that's them. what's called aged steak Aging. when you're in a restaurant? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Okay. when you see that in a restaurant, yeah. that's what it means. It means it's been hung in the fridge um, for a certain amount. They might say 28 days is mm. usually what you'll find. Um, and it just means that you are getting that better quality because you're letting the meat, you know, 
get it will be more tender ultimately mm. um, and that's you know what we want to serve to our customers we don't want to give them you know we want to make sure that they're having a premium product um, but yeah I mean with the butchery you could be doing anything I uh, I cut up loins of lots of loins of pork so um, for talk bacon. us through what we've got here then so this is a hind quarter of pork um, with you've got the loin as well so um, this is your leg this is where you get your legs of pork um, some people even like the trotters. We have that's quite yeah. sort of in. It is now, at the moment. Yeah. Um, you get gelatin from things like trotters, so you can use that for lots of different things. Apparently, there's many recipes that people use. We have a lot of customers that come in and ask for trotters. Not my personal preference, Not for your, but no, um, no, whatever floats your boat, I say. <laughs> um, <laughs> then you've got your loin. Um, so down here in the loin, you have um, a tenderloin. Um, lots of they're really actually quite popular at the moment um, so we always take those out it's your equivalent of a fillet steak what you yep. get in a cow um, and I do a lot of boning these sorts of things out especially loins because we send all of our own bacon away to be cured right. so we buy the pork in we butcher it all ourselves and then send it away um, to uh, curers in um, Debenham I think it is mm. Um, and that way you know that you're getting a good product. I think a lot of people come, come back to us, especially when they buy our bacon and say, wow, I didn't have any of the white stuff come out of your bacon like you do in the supermarkets. And we say, well, that's because we do it all ourselves. Right. And we know that we're going to get a good product. So it's all it. natural yeah, rather than yeah, putting absolutely. chemicals in. Yeah. yeah. Well, can we see you at work then while, uh, while we carry on talking <laughs> to you? Because yeah, uh, there must be... Uh, yeah. Lots of stuff we're holding you back from today. Well, so. <laughs> you're quite lucky. You've come in on a day, I think, where me and George, I think it's an odd job day for George, is a, um, a Monday. Yep. Um, so it means he usually does uh, deliveries to schools, which is something that George has found really, well, really quite good and really popular, actually, in the last few, well, years, shall I say. George has grown from, originally, George supplied two schools in the local area. Um, and now we supply four. And right. It's brilliant because you know that the children at the school are getting good quality products. Yeah, yeah. Again, um, it's local. And yeah, exactly. It's been well looked after. Yeah, yeah. They they usually. Oh, I'm trying to work out a place to hang it now. <laughs> Deary me. I can't help you there. So. Yeah, no, that's all right. Oh, I think I've found somewhere. You've that's got all right. Yeah. You, you can I find somewhere. Oh my word. You need a fair bit of muscle shifting well, stuff around here, don't people you? People always say that to me. They say. Blimey, you must be strong. I say, not really. <laughs> it's the way you carry things, really. It's all about the technique. Yeah, I just hope for the best. Okay, and, right. uh, so now you've there you go. That up, Found lovely. somewhere to put it. That's the problem with the this sort of thing. There yeah, we go. You've got a lot, a lot the and game. you've got a lovely display now of the bum of the of the of the pig. Very good. <laughs> but yeah, so the schools. I mean, George supplies a school. I think he goes. To, well, we probably, I think we probably go to a deliveries on a school probably about every day of the week, really. really? Yeah. Fantastic. Um, I think it's because schools are now realising that if they give the children a good quality product, you know, they know that they're having a good meal. Well, yeah. And that's Ex important. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, that's a huge amount of reassurance to parents who whose children are having school meals to know yeah. that again, it's local, that you yeah, know where it's come absolutely. from, that it's not just a cheap piece of meat that's been put in front Absolutely. of them. As a child who had school meals in the 1970s, <laughs> I sometimes wonder what we were eating at times. Yeah. But um, yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, fantastic. So I've got to ask you this while you're yeah. cutting your way through yeah, this. Through, um, yeah. So 
First things first, are any of your friends vegan? Do you have conversations with them about your work? Do you know, funnily enough, I have a friend who is vegetarian. Right. Um, she didn't used to be, but she is now. And she, I think, I think she just accepts my job because she knows it's... I mean, I've been doing it for a while, but yeah. Um, yeah. But I think... I, I, I mean, I'm not bothered by it. I think if if people want to be vegetarian or vegan, that's not, sure. you know, yeah, I, 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 you know, that's fair enough. Um, but I've never really come across many issues with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, being a butcher, it's it is, you know, I'm. I think the main thing is I'm proud of it. Mm. I'm proud to be a butcher. I love my job, and I love trying to encourage people to kind of get involved in it. So I think. I don't have any shame in telling people, you know, yep, I'm a butcher. I'm proud to say it, yeah. And I think, it's interesting, I think a lot of this is just about food in general, that um, particularly, dare I say, people maybe in cities don't quite appreciate where food actually comes from in in all its forms. Um, And they just sort of assume it appears in the local corner (laughs) shop or supermarket. Um, Where actually, whether it's vegetables or crops or meat, someone has to to grow that, someone has yeah. to harvest it, someone has to Absolutely. maintain it. Um, so it's lovely, you, you feel there's a real sense of pride in the work that you do. I do, and I think going to market, you um, you get an aspect of it all. You really do, you can, I mean, I speak to farmers at market, I speak to, um, you know, slaughtermen, um, I, you know, you get to speak to lots of different people and you hear all the different kind of aspects of the industry because it's not only a butcher shop, it's not what you see in the counter, it is ultimately, there is a long process behind it and Mm. I think that's what makes um, working here, I feel so proud to work here because George has always had that as his top priority is making his customers aware that actually the reason we have the quality is because of the other people. It's mm. not only us doing the hard work. There's a you know a long list of people behind it as yeah. well. Yeah. So it's all about the chain and yeah, where, where everything comes from. Yeah. So just talk us through what you're doing here because I've been watching you. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. Well. So at the moment I am uh, taking the tenderloin out of the loin. Now um, we do this because we sell them separately. Um, and I'm about to bone this um, loin of pork out for a bacon to be sent off. Um, so what I've done is, I can turn it round for you if you want. Da, 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 da. Now George is going to look at it and go, oh, terrible, what's she done? <laughs> no. Um, so I've just kind of, what I do is I'll slide my knife along here, uh, along the bones. Now, George has always taught me when I do butchery, well, I say the proper way, which is true, he has taught me the proper way, is that if you bone things out cleanly the first time, you're not going to have to go behind yourself and it will cause you extra work if you don't. Yep. So I made sure that I'm close to the bone with mm. this um, pork that I'm doing here, so that, well, as close to the bone as I can be, mm. so that you're not wasting any of the meat yeah. Um, yeah. and you're not leaving anything on there. Because as I say, George, George has always told me, if you don't do it right the first time, you've got more work for yourself, which yeah. is true, <laughs> especially with butchery. Yep. Um, so, so we take these out and we can sell these. These are really, really popular. Yep. Um, and then, as I said, this one here, I'll take all the bones out and it will be going away for bacon. So how do you, um, what, what would you do with when you're cooking that? Do you then give some good advice in terms of... Yeah, um, so, well, with a tenderloin, it's up to you. Um, people stuff them, so you can flatten them out and roll them with a bit of stuffing on the inside oh, and stuff good. them. And we've done that before in the shop and they've sold really, really well. Um, 
roasting them, I mean you can fry them, you can chop them up into chunks and have them in a curry. The tenderloins are really good. I think it's popular probably because you can do so much with it really. Okay. You can kind yeah. of choose what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but with cooking, <laughs> I laugh because recently we've started a, um, a video that we call Cooking with Annie in the shop. Oh, lovely. So um, on our Facebook page, we post things, a video, I think it's once a week, um, where I show people what they can cook um, with meat from the shop. We did T-bone steak this week, which if you've, well, if you see the video, <laughs> it, it was successful. Good. But um, yeah, Good. it's... It, no, but it's exciting. I think a lot of people, it's important that we can give our customers tips on what they can do with it yeah. because a lot of people um, come in and they'll say, oh, well, um, how do you cook this or what can I do with that? And I think having experience and knowledge, especially with George and the other people that work in here, to give ideas on pe to people and what they can do is really important mm. because you're then encouraging people to kind of explore different things that they might not have chosen yeah, before yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and helping people kind of get the ideas that they want. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's absolutely brilliant. Well, that's been superb, Annie. We loved watching you oh, uh, work Thank you very and realise that you're just being so <laughs> precise, which is yeah. obviously what your job requires. And yes, um, yeah. being fascinating to, to see that just as you're reaching a conclusion. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> it's really amazing. I'm nearly there, I think. No, no, don't you worry. You <laughs> take your time and get it sorted. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what you're saying is absolutely right. Uh, people just need their, the ideas of what to do. There we go. <laughs> so we can do lots of things with pork tenderloin. Yes, you can. It's a very popular thing. I mean, I like to chop it up for a curry. I think um, that's, that's something I like to do. We have people that come in, they have it chopped up and flavoured so that they can fry it for things um, but it's up to you really it's quite a versatile bit of meat really you can do do whatever yeah. and then the rest of your day will be spent working on that I guess working on this yes <laughs> well it won't take me a day some George sure. does like to tell me come on Annie what are you doing you've been doing that for hours now and I say oh all right I better speed up then so it's all about accuracy yeah that's, that's what that's I say too you can tell good. him that yeah, yeah well done uh, that's amazing well astonishing absolutely wonderful to see you in action and oh, uh, see the work you're doing and we wish you well with your career thank you very much it's fantastic yeah, yeah. thank you for thank talking you. to us about it So, uh, thank you very much for joining us on this week's Suffolk Money podcast. And we're particularly grateful to George and to Annie for sharing their Monday morning with us uh, while we've been recording that to understand something of what's encouraged Annie into this profession and George's incredibly uh, fascinating history. Uh, it's just lovely to see uh, wonderful client focus, customer focused uh, professions like Butchery still carrying on. Uh, within Suffolk and for the way that they source so much of what they're providing locally. Thank you for joining us. I'm indebted as always uh, to the team who really does all the hard work behind the scenes, uh, to Joy Day, to Kevin Birch and to Sally Birch uh, for all that they do uh, in getting this programme and putting it all together and we hope that it won't be long before you join us again in our next edition of the Suffolk Money Podcast. <laughs>